let's take our Bibles this afternoon to Proverbs chapter number 22. And we're going to let the kids slip out and go to a junior church setting there. And uh, boy, that was good. I love to see the next generation coming up and loving our country. Isn't that that's great? We, we want to raise up our kids right and we want them to love the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. But we sure want them to appreciate the great country we live in and be patriotic that way. Proverbs chapter number 22 in your Bibles. And like I told you at the end of the morning service, my comments this afternoon will be, will be abbreviated. Um, it's been a long day, and I know we all want to... Most of us at this time are taking a nap on Sunday afternoon, right? Or uh, you're uh, at the least lounging around and relaxing. And so uh, I know some of you are probably feeling it, and the body wants to go off and go to sleep. There are a couple of people here today that worked all night last night, came to church this morning, and they're still here. And to that, I say I give you a lot of credit for hanging in, and uh, thank you for that. Well, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Proverbs 22, verse 28. We'll just be looking at this one verse um, by way of introduction, and uh, our, uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be looking at some other verses as we go along, but we'll be starting out with just this one verse. Proverbs 22:28. Solomon writes, Remove not the ancient landmarks which thy fathers have set. Remove not the ancient landmarks. The title of the sermon this afternoon is this, Remove Not the Landmarks. And there's an effort to slowly but surely remove the landmarks that establish who we are and what we believe. And it's a subtle effort. We need to do our part to make sure they're not ever, 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 ever moved. Let's pray. Lord, help us this afternoon as we continue this theme of America. Lord, we know that the morality of this country is under great assault, great attack. And Lord, we need some Christians who will just sweetly but firmly hold their ground and stand their place and believe in right for right's sake, believe in right because the Bible says so. And Lord, um, may we be that shining light and example that we've talked about. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Well, in old, old times... Uh, fences were far more expensive to put up. And so some folks who were wealthy and well-to-do would have a fence that would guard their property and mark their property line. Uh, but if you could not afford that, or maybe you just owned a piece of property where that was not uh, reasonable to do because of the size, you would take a gigantic rock and you would put that down on the four corners of your property and your corner would your your property would be marked by the line that those four corners were made by those large rocks. And um, if, you were, if you were a thief and you neighbored someone who had a, a piece of property this way and you wanted to grow your property, then what you would do is at nighttime when no one was around, uh, you would go out and you would just move that rock over maybe six inches, uh, maybe a foot, and not enough where anyone would really notice. And uh, you'd wait a couple of years, and you'd move that over a little bit more. And uh, you'd wait a couple more years, and you'd move it a little bit more. You can imagine if someone owns farmland, and you're taking even a foot away from them, uh, all the way, just even on one border, how many, how many acres of land that could be. And you keep doing that year after year after year. You could pillage and steal a whole lot of property 
away from somebody by just taking a little bit away each year. Over time, great property loss would take place, and it would be done subtly. It would be done carefully, but nonetheless, it would be done. And uh, it could be done in such a way where the person losing the property doesn't even know it. I look at the the state of things in our world today, not only uh, as our country, we looked at uh, the problems of our country this morning, but even looking at Christianity as a whole. And instead of keeping our, our, our foundation as the, the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm speaking more generically about the American church as a whole, what has happened is we've kept our eyes on the world and we've been determined to keep our distance from the world, but as we have kept our distance from the world, we've also drifted away from God. Because as the world has gotten more and more wicked, the church has just followed behind it and accepted uh, some of that carnality and wickedness right into the fabric of who it is. Uh, today, uh, the, where I stand and what I believe and where I, I preach and how we believe the Bible here at White Oak Baptist Church, many churches uh, in the area and many Christians in the area would label us as legalistic in our mindset. And they would say that we're holding up rules and we're saying that uh, you got a hold of this str- stringent set of rules. And I would say, we haven't moved, you've moved, and now you're turning around and you're calling us uh, some name that doesn't even mean what you claim it means. And uh, God says here in Proverbs chapter 22, we're not to move the landmarks. There are some things that are just not uh, for sale. You cannot compromise on these things. The Bible is very clear on them and we need to hold to and believe what we believe and not give the devil even an inch. So I'd like to share with you just a few thoughts this afternoon about landmarks. Notice point number one, venerable landmarks. Venerable landmarks. Now, that word venerable is not a word we use on a regular basis, so let me uh, here define it for you. Venerable means commanding respect because of great age or impressive dignity, worthy of veneration or reverence as because of high office or noble character. So someone who's been around a long time, someone who has uh, uh, stood the test of time, maybe a truth that has stood the test of time that we hold in high regard. They are venerable. They are venerable. There are some landmarks that have been around for a whole long time. And just by the uh, basis of their age and by the basis of their notoriety, we need to make sure we hold them right where they are and they not change. Notice below number one, letter A, the landmark of the family. The landmark of the family. Take your Bibles over to Matthew chapter 19 with me this morning. Matthew chapter 19. And look with me at verse at number 5 there. Now we see here that marriage was created by God. Marriage was the first union in the Bible. Marriage is venerable. Marriage is beautiful. Is beautiful. And the landmark of the family is being moved because marriage is under attack. And if you want to take any stance other than the Bible's stance, then you are out of line with God. We live in a day and time where people want to hold up high sin and filth and celebrate sin and filth as though it's something beautiful and exciting. And my friend, sin is still sin and righteousness is still righteousness and we need to hold to righteous standards. The landmark of the family. Um, Look at Matthew chapter 19 and look at verse 
verse number 5, the Bible says, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife. Notice that it's a man, a male, cleaving to his wife, who is a female, and they twain shall be one flesh. Now watch here. They twain shall be one flesh. They twain shall be one flesh. You two become one. Verse 6, Wherefore they are no more twain, but one flesh. Wherefore, there, uh, what therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. So we see here that God created the, uh, the, the uh, institution of marriage. It is a landmark. It is venerable. It's been around, around a long time. We need to hold it up. We need to respect it. We need to believe in it. We need to believe that it's God's system and God put it in place. Now, Satan is, a, 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 he is an entity of disorder. Disorder. Anytime you have disorder in your life, it's because there is sin somewhere in your life. Now, it may not be your sin. It may be someone's sin that's bringing disorder in your life, but disorder is a result of Satan and a fallen world. So where you have a marriage that's not functioning, where you have a marriage that's falling apart, there is sin that is present within that marriage. God is a God of order. And so the two in a marriage should become one flesh. There's a blending of two people into one. And the old adage is you leave your father and mother, you cleave one to another, and then you spend a lifetime weaving your lives into one fabric where the two of you are one and the same. For a while, Angel and I had gotten to a place where we were having this conversation a little too often, and it was becoming morbid, so we just finally put a stop to it. But the conversation was, what would life be like if, 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 if I died? Or what would life be like if she died? And how would I get along without you? Or how would I get along without you? And we, we came to the conclusion that we would have a hard time functioning without the other one because our lives are so blended. And finally, we looked at each other and said, let's not talk about this anymore. Uh, we both want to be alive a very, very, very long time. And, um, and uh, I don't know that I have enough life insurance for her to want to knock me off anyway. Amen? That's a joke. Um, I keep the policy low on purpose. Amen. Um, What is God's order for the home? Well, it's God. He's in charge. The husband... He is to follow God and submit to God. You have the wife that comes in below uh, the, the husband in, in realms of who leads and who's in charge, not in order of importance. And then you have the children who submit to mom and dad and God. Now, to be clear there, that is order. That doesn't make the man better than the woman. That just means that God has an order that needs to be followed. We live in a day and time where culture has has uh, declared all-out war on the home. And if you watch cartoons today, children are smarter than the parents and the mom is smarter than the dad and the dad is just a total uh, doofus and doesn't know anything about anything. And, 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 and it's completely opposite and reversed. And God is to be the one who directs and leads the home. The husband should be on his knees praying to the Lord and getting direction from the Lord. He should be turning around and loving his wife and lovingly he should lead his wife and the wife should follow her husband and God and then the children should be led by the parents but ultimately by God. Family is a landmark that should not be moved. We see the landmark of the family. Notice letter B, the landmark of our faith. The landmark of our faith. As Christians, what makes our faith uh, rise above the rest? 
What sets us apart? Well, let me give you a couple of thoughts below the landmarks of our faith. Notice the cross. The cross. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter number 1 and look with me at verse number 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and look with me at verse 18. Now, the cross to us is a beautiful thing. It is something that causes mixed emotions within me, if I'm honest. I think about the cross and at times great guilt can set in that my sins had to send Jesus to the cross and that my sins were the nails that put him up there. But then I realized that without the cross, I would be damned and condemned to hell. That Jesus went to the cross and suffered hell in my place because he loves me so. What makes our faith so beautiful is that we have a God who deeply loves us enough to come down to earth in human form and live a perfect life and become our sin on the cross. Look at 1 Corinthians 1, 18 with me. The Bible says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. So many false doctrines of apostate religions try to undermine the deity of Christ and they attack the authenticity of the cross and the sacrifice of Jesus and they make fun of in their own way. They treat it as though it's foolishness. The cross, my friend, there's nothing more uh, uh, important and foundational. There's nothing more beautiful and iconic than the cross that Jesus died on. Yes, it's just two pieces of wood that were slapped together. They were rugged and they were uh, harsh to the body of our Savior. But it was on that cross that Jesus suffered. It was on that cross that His blood was shed. And it is on that cross that we find the healing balm of His blood that washes away our sin. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You see, Buddha didn't go to a cross. Confucius didn't go to a cross. Muhammad didn't go to a cross. But Jesus, He went to the cross for me and you. He went to the cross and you know what happened. They laid Him in a tomb and three days later, He did something no man has ever done. He stood up from the grave all on His own and He won. And you know, there's a lot of folks out there that want to undermine the resurrection of Jesus Christ. My friend, make no mistake about it, history tells us that Jesus is alive. We see that... We're talking about venerable landmarks, that which has stood the test of time, that which deserves our honor. We cannot budge one inch on the virgin birth of Jesus. We cannot budge one inch on the blood atonement of our Savior. We cannot budge even an inch. That landmark cannot even be slightly moved a hair on the idea that Jesus rose from the dead. My friend, He came to earth. He lived. He died uh, died a death on the cross for us. He suffered in our place. He set us free from sin. When we turn to Him, the cross of Jesus is a venerable landmark. We're talking about our faith. Notice not only the cross, but notice the church. The church. Turn over to Revelation chapter 19 with me in verse number 7. You see, on when Jesus died on the cross, He created something in those who were redeemed by His blood. He created a union. He created a body of believers that would come together locally and independently. He created the church. The church, yes, there 
is the universal church that will be raptured one day by Jesus, but He wants us to gather in local churches and love each other and look after each other. Look at verse number 7 of Revelation 19. The Bible says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to Him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and His wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints, the righteousness of saints. Um, I'm getting ready in just a couple of weeks to uh, uh, to, to help with the uh, the wedding, the the uh, union of two people into one of Carson and Michaela. I can't wait uh, to travel up to Maine and see the two of them get married and see Michaela coming down the center aisle in her white dress. Uh, many of you know my sister-in-law Andrea. She's engaged to be married this November, and uh, my family's traveling down to Peru. And I'm going to uh, perform the wedding. Pray for me. I've got to do it in Spanish. Amen? And that's going to take a lot of practice. I've got to work up to that. But all the same, my daughter-in-law is going to... My daughter-in-law. My sister-in-law is going to come down the aisle in a, uh, in a white dress, uh, ready to go. And she's going to look uh, uh, gorgeous, I'm sure. Coming down to get married uh, to her fiancé, her groom. And one day, it won't be a, a woman coming down the aisle. It will be the church. The church will be arrayed in the righteousness given to hit them by the Lord Jesus Christ and salvation. We will will be married to the Lord Jesus Christ for all of eternity. It's going to be a glorious time where our sins are no more and our sin nature is no more and we get to live forever in perfect peace and harmony with Him. My friend, the church is precious. The church is important. The church is valuable. Oh, the church is under such great assault today. Little at a time, the stone that's marked the church has slowly been moved, sometimes by the church, but oftentimes by the world, and holiness is beginning to leave the average church, and um, uh, faithful attendance is beginning to leave uh, the church, and the idea of making uh, the church the center of the hub of the wheel of your life is beginning to erode away and fade away, and slowly but surely, the church is becoming casual, the church is forgetting its mission, the church is losing its purpose, and my friend, if you think the church is just for us to gather and have a social time together, if you think the church is all about a country club environment where you can come and interact with people that look like you and talk like you and make the same amount of money as you, my friend, you're mistaking. The church is a hospital. It's a spiritual hospital where people come to hear the preaching of the Bible and to get the help they need to help them by week to week. It's a place where we come and the Word of God is held high and we are helped in a way... Uh, to where we're made more like Jesus Christ week after week. I don't know what I would do without church in my life. The church ought to be the center of the hub of the wheel of your life. It's at church I learned how better how to better love my my spouse. It's at church I'm taught how to uh, how to help lead my home. It's at church where I've been taught how to serve the Lord and give Him uh, my heart. It, the church carries such a valuable importance and uh, my friend today, many people think that they can love God and not go to church. My friend, you cannot love God and know the heart of God without being deeply connected into a local New Testament church. In the book of Acts, the Bible says that Jesus shed His blood to purchase the church. And my friend, the church is a venerable landmark, been around for 2,000 years, and we should never, ever, ever, ever let it be moved even an inch 
in our life. Number one, we see venerable landmarks quickly. Number two, notice valuable landmarks. Valuable landmarks. Go back to Proverbs chapter 22 and look with me at verse number 28. Valuable landmarks. Some landmarks have an intense amount of value to them and we should value these landmarks. Look back at Proverbs 22, 28 where we began. The Bible says, remove not the ancient landmarks. Look here. Which thy fathers have set. Which thy fathers have set. What's that mean? That means your forefathers put these down. And God says, don't move the landmarks. Don't move the landmarks. What are some landmarks that our forefathers have given us through great sacrifice? Notice that they've given us the landmark, the valuable landmark of the Bible. The Bible. The Bible is a valuable landmark that we have been given. This week I ordered in the mail another Bible, one that I've had my eye on for a while. And it's a Bible that I've wanted to add to my library. It arrived in the mail and I opened it up and I, I flipped through it. And I was, I was really excited about this. Maybe as excited as a child in the 50s or 60s would have been about getting a comic book in the mail. Or a baseball collector would have been about getting a, an expensive baseball card uh, in a pack. I was excited to get yet another Bible. But the truth is, I own seven, eight, nine physical Bibles. And I've got five or six or seven Bible apps that exist on my uh, cellular devices and I, I, uh, I, the Bible is in great abundance but can I tell you today that that hasn't always been the case there was a day where the dark ages set in and people didn't have a Bible in fact to hear the Bible you had to go to church and hear the Catholic priest read it in Latin which you didn't even speak and it was uh, Martin Luther who decided to break away from the Catholic Church, and he began the process of translating it into German and then others into other languages. My friend, there was a price to be paid for that to be translated. I think of men like William Tyndale, who, became an, who, who was exiled because of his efforts. He was constantly on the run, spent time in prison translating the Bible. Trailblazers of Bible uh, uh, translation, William Tyndale was. He translated into the language of the people. William Tyndale was hated by the Catholic Church and stood up against uh, by King Henry VIII's divorce. He stood up against King Henry VIII's divorce. Eventually he was choked to death and then burnt at the stake. Some of his dying words were, May the king hear my prayers. And sure enough, King James, just a few years later, would begin the process of having the Bible translated in mass print for the English-speaking people. You and I, we hold Bibles in our hands and uh, we forget about them. We lose our Bibles and we forget where they are and we'll, we'll leave them laying around places. It's amazing how many Bibles get left here on any given Sunday. And um, I'm not picking on you if that happens to you. I've left Bibles laying around too. But my friend, the Bible ought to mean a lot to us. It's a valuable landmark. It's a valuable landmark. Blood has been spilled on the ground in order for you to have the Bible that you have. We're talking about valuable landmarks this afternoon, we're talking about the Bible. How about this one? The purity of the church. The purity of the church. 
the oldest modern religious organization is the Catholic Church. And it didn't begin until 400 A.D. Now, I know not everyone here is a Baptist by conviction, and that's okay. But I will say this afternoon, I am a Baptist by conviction. And while the title Baptist does not come from John the Baptist, um, uh, that's merely coincidence. I do believe that uh, the Baptist can follow a heritage, while not always called Baptist, can follow a heritage of people who were not Catholic and stayed away from the Catholic Church and can follow a heritage that goes all the way back to the first church apostles and the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, many Anabaptists early on were drowned in rivers because they refused to believe that babies needed to be baptized. They said, show me a baby in the Bible that's been baptized. I'm talking about during the Protestant Reformation era. And because uh, they didn't uh, buy into baby baptism and they would baptize people after they believed the way it was done in the book of Acts, they would take them and they would tie them onto uh, a pole and they'd swing them out over a river. They would dip them down in the river until they were almost dead. They'd pull them back up to see if they'd recant. They'd dip them back down in the river again and pull them up until they were gasping for breath. And once they were done, they would cut the rope and let their bodies fall in the river and float down the river. And the term Anabaptist means re-baptizer, re-baptizer. You understand there are some people who took some hard line stands on Bible doctrine and said, I will not compromise what I believe the Bible teaches and I believe the church ought to be pure. Our ancient landmarks are valuable. Now, I want you to imagine with me that we have a country with no borders. You don't have to work real hard to imagine that right now, do you? But can I just make this uh, obvious statement? A country with no borders is no country at all. Because now anybody can just walk in and walk out as they please. A country with no borders is no country at all. A Christian without any convictions... Well, your Christian faith is pretty shallow. There needs to be some things that define you, that establish who you are as a Christian. A Christian with no boundaries is not a Christian. The landmarks set the boundaries that protect our joy in Jesus. Don't scoff at the landmarks. Respect them. Now, I want to take a moment here and just say that not everybody has the same belief system in every single minute detail as each other. The truth is, if you were to get in my car, I were to put on Christian music, and then I were to get in your car, and you were to put on Christian music, we may be listening to two totally different things. And I may have one set of beliefs on how music ought to be, and you might have a different set of beliefs of how music ought to be. But you need to have some beliefs about what type of music pleases the Lord, and what type of music doesn't please the Lord. I may have one standard of dress uh, code for my family that we hold to, and you may have a different standard of dress code that applies to your family but every christian ought to have a standard of modesty that is within their home that is a landmark that does not get moved because my friend a christian without boundaries is no christian at all we need to have some landmarks in our lives that we value that are valuable to us we talked about venerable landmarks and valuable landmarks number three and lastly let's talk about vulnerable landmarks look back with me at proverbs chapter 22 And look at verse number 28. The Bible says, Remove not, remove not the ancient landmarks 
which thy fathers have set. Now, if we're being commanded not to move them, then clearly they are movable. Is that fair? We're being commanded that these shouldn't be moved. Then they, that means they are portable. They can, be, they can be rolled. They can be moved. The landmark of what a family is in America in 2021 has been moved. Has it not? These landmarks are vulnerable. The landmark of what a church is and does has been moved. Spoke with someone this afternoon. It's first time here today. In fact, the lady that got baptized this this uh, this morning, Miss Miss Jackie, uh, told me that uh, visited several churches where the Bible's just not preached. Lady I spoke with today said the same thing. Goes to church to church, and well, that's not in the Bible. That's not a Bible. Landmark of what a church is has been moved. You know, say, well, what is the what is the mission of the church? Can I give it to you in two phrases? In fact, write these down if you have taken notes. The the mission of the church is twofold. Preach the word. Preach the word. Hey, the sun came out. God agrees with that. Amen. Preach the word. Reach the world. Preach the word. Reach the world. It's that simple. Preach the word, reach the world. Jesus looked at his disciples before he left and he said, Go and tell all nations that I save souls. Go preach the word. It is God's word that is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. You don't need to show up week after week after week and hear some 37-year-old stand up and give you his opinion for for. for for however long I preach. Amen. You need to hear the Bible. You need to hear the Word of God thundered forth because it is the Word of God that reaches the world. The church has lost its way. The landmark of what a church is and does has been moved. The landmarks of solid Bible teaching and preaching have been moved. Paul warned against apostate preachers who would deny the resurrection of Christ and abuse grace and take advantage of grace so they could have carnal and sinful living. And Paul said to, in essence, he said to the church, don't move the landmarks of doctrine. Paul warned Timothy against uh, uh, endless genealogies and silly doctrines and vain janglings. What was he saying? He was saying, don't Move the landmarks of doctrine. For those who have moved these landmarks, there is a grave promise in Deuteronomy. Turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 27 and verse number 17. Deuteronomy, we're almost done here. Deuteronomy 27, and look with me at verse number 17. The Bible says there, I'll begin reading, it says... Cursed be he that removeth his neighbor's landmark. Cursed. Proverbs 23, 10 and 11 echo that sentiment. It says, Remove not the old landmark, and enter not into the fields of the fatherless. For their Redeemer is mighty. He shall plead their cause with thee. There are some landmarks that should not be moved in the life of a Christian. A couple of weeks ago, Brother Owens preached in my absence about the importance of letting principles guide your decisions and uh, setting up principles in your life that are going to dictate to you all of the things that come underneath that. You know what? Uh, you ought to have some principles that are landmarks in your life that do not get moved. We're talking about landmarks that are 
venerable. They're respected. They're ancient. They've been around a long time. Our family, our faith. We're talking about value landmarks. The Word of God, which is also timeless and venerable. And the purity of the church. And we're talking about landmarks that are vulnerable. And I would just bring us to a conclusion this morning and say this. There are people who have shed their blood. There are people who have been martyred. There are people who have been killed in order to give us the landmarks that we have today. And and, and I would just encourage all of us this morning, let's not let these landmarks even be budged or moved an inch in our lives. Listen, Jesus shed His blood on the cross to establish the church. I'm going to be in church every week. People bled and died in order to give me the Bible in the English language. I'm going to value the Bible that I have. God set in place in stone what a family is to be. Even when the going gets tough, I'm going to be there as a father to my children. You ladies need to be there as a mother to your children and husbands and wives for each other. Let's commit to not move the landmarks this morning. Let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Lord, help us this afternoon as we have looked at this concept of landmarks. Help us to understand how they're valuable. But Lord, they're vulnerable. And Lord, through laziness or just carelessness, if we're not careful, our time with you slips away. and We're not reading our Bible like we ought to. Lord, our church attendance can slip. Lord, our value of our faith can slip. Our role as husband or wife or mother or father can begin to slip. And Lord, help us to decide that these landmarks are not going to even be moved an inch by the enemy. Lord, help us now during this time. In Jesus' name, amen.